0: Just a quick reminder before we jump into today's episode that the nugget is now On YouTube, we've picked out some of our favorite moments from the podcast and turned them into four to eight minute long videos. Now you can see some of the best clips from the podcast with never before seen content. I'm really, really excited about this. I think it's gonna be super cool. Since we've just launched, for the month of February, we're doing a raffle with some of our favorite brands and we're giving away a free training bundle worth more than $300. All you have to do is subscribe to the YouTube channel and you will automatically be entered to win a free kilo of chalk along with a logo brush and taco skin sander from Chalk Cartel, a free hangboard from Frictitious Climbing that retails for $150, or you can get a $150 gift card to Frictitious to round out your hangboarding kit, if you will. And you'll win some of my favorite skincare products from Rhino Skin Solutions, so you can keep your skin in tip-top shape for your training and rock climbing. It's free to enter the raffle. All you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's as simple as that. You can do it right now. And I bet it will take you less than 10 seconds, super quick. Just scroll down on your podcast app and click the link right there that will take you over to our YouTube channel and tap that subscribe button. The deadline is February 28th, so 16 days remaining, including today, but do it now while you've got your phone handy and while you're thinking about it. All right, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Rhino Skin Solutions, my go-to when it comes to taking care of my skin for climbing. My go-to products from Rhino are the repair cream, the performance cream, and the dry spray. I have naturally sweaty skin, and I find the performance cream and the dry spray especially helpful when I'm sport climbing because if I can keep my hands from sweating, I don't have to stop and chalk up as often, and that can literally make the difference between sending and falling off on a pumpy sport climb. And I like to use the repair cream in the evenings to help my skin heal between sessions, on my sport climbing project. Whether you have dry, glassy skin or sweaty skin and you have trouble keeping chalk on your hands like I do, Rhino Skin Solutions has products that are designed just for you and your skin type. Check out my episode with founder Justin Brown, episode 22 of The Nugget, to learn more about which products are right for you, how to use things like performance and dry spray, and how to dial in your skin for an upcoming performance season or climbing trip. That's a super valuable episode if you wanna try Rhino products. If you want to level up your skin game, head over to rhinoskinsolutions.com and enter code nugget at checkout for 20% off your next order. That's rhinoskinsolutions.com. Use code nugget at checkout for 20% off and start taking better care of your skin today.
1: Hello friends, welcome back to the Nugget Climbing Podcast Fundamental series. I am not your host, Stephen Dimmitt. I am your guest, Jesse Firestone. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about sport climbing. Um, We're going to share our our tips for going on sport climbing trips and some of the things that can go sideways. Steve, what's the worst sport climbing trip you've ever been on?
0: Hmm. Um. It's funny. I got really self-conscious as soon as you asked that because I realized that the people that went on the trip with me, could <laughs> 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 start. Are probably going to be listening to this. Just, repla- just replace the name of the crack. <laughs> I won't use any. I won't use any names. I'll use Brent's name. Um, I love Brent. Um, I so the worst trip I've been on. It wasn't an awful trip, but it was objectively the worst sport climbing trip I've been on was to the Red River Gorge in 2015, the only time I've been to the Red, and I've been saying ever since that I definitely need to go back and um, redeem it because I know that the Red is amazing, I love the Red, I wanna love the Red, and it just happened to be a a really bad trip. But um, there was a few reasons why. It was the first time I'd ever flown somewhere um, so there's a whole thing there, Phone somewhere to go on a sport climbing trip. We got a rental car. Um, the car got destroyed. It was super rainy and muddy. And my friend's dog was riding in the the car and got mud all over the back of the car. And I think we had to pay a service fee. And there was a driving to one of the crags. I think we were driving to um, drive by me. I can't remember which crag, but there was a big puddle full of rainwater and some for some reason there was like a cinder block submerged under the water and i just remember brent he like drove through the puddle in his rental car and made it and he's like just stay to the right and punch it (laughs) so i did and just crunched the front of the car and was stressed about that because i decided not to get the insurance Turned out my credit card insurance mm. or the insurance through booking it through my credit card covered it. Mm. Anyway, all of that stuff. But the the thing that stands out from the trip that made it, um, that gives me like a negative feeling to look back was expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just climbed my first 13B at Smith and was getting more established in the 513 range. I'd done maybe like Seven or eight of them, or something at that point. I'd already climbed a 13B. I did another one right before the trip. So I'd done a couple. And I'd always heard that, you know, the red is really straightforward and it's juggy, easy to on site. And I had trained fitness and trained on jugs. I was wildly unprepared for that style of climbing. I never, I had never, um, climbed that much in that steep of terrain. I hadn't been bouldering on steep terrain. I was I was much worse at steep bouldering than I was at more technical vertical bouldering. Anyway, I was wildly underprepared and I was wildly over expectant. Mm-hmm. And I thought I could send a 513 and a bunch of 512s. I thought I could site like every 512 I tried on that trip. And for some reason, <laughs> this is so immature. For some reason, I thought that I should be able to on-site 12A as a warmup because it's supposed to be juggy there. Mm. And so I didn't try hardly anything below 12A the whole trip. It was like an eight day trip and we had six climbing days. So I just beat the shit out of myself. Um, <laughs> I just got more and more fatigued and dug myself a deeper and deeper hole over the course of the entire trip. My first day was my best day because I... The, you know, the fatigue just accumulated, uh, accumulated from there. And um, yeah, I just kind of left with this sour taste in my mouth, mostly like disappointed in myself for having such lofty expectations and for being so fixated on performance and feeling like I missed it. Like yeah. I missed the opportunity to like really enjoy being at this cool place and and exploring. So yeah. yeah.
1: There's a lesson there about like ripping the bandaid off if you try to warm up on a 12a and it like doesn't work and then it doesn't work again yeah it's like probably time to try some 11b's yeah
0: on your warm up totally and i remember i mean there was even i think my friend justin was on the trip and he was you know he's a much um at the time at least he was a much stronger climber than i was and i just remember at one point he was like what are you guys doing like do a 511 you know he got it like mm-hmm. he was he was nailing it and being really smart about the warm ups but um yeah i don't know i just had some weird like chip on my shoulder yeah well you learned that lesson sounds yep. like mhm it's funny cuz i would never go do that now i would probably always start the day with a a good classic 511 if i had the option why not you know totally yeah well you have more of an eye towards
1: like the fun experiences probably than you did then then it was like sending mhm mm-hmm. yeah i just think that's a natural progression yeah. A little bit. And the sooner you get on board with it, it's almost like the better.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Sending is one experience you can have. It's a cool
0: one. What about you? Do you have a a worst sport climbing trip? I, I really
1: I really don't. We already talked about me breaking my toe when I flew around the world. That kinda kinda of sucked, but in Thailand, yeah. Most of my most of my negative sport climbing experiences have been more like death by a thousand cuts. You know? Mm. Like um, Just going on a weekend trip and not doing the thing I wanted to, and then like going back the next weekend and like not doing it. And then like going back the next weekend and not doing it like that, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. No, like crazy
0: epics with rental cars or things like that. So I'm kind of, I'm like smiling a little bit and it's not because I think that's funny. It's just because I know you're talking about Smith Rock and and I know you and that is funny. And so, yeah.
1: I was at both a Southern Oregon and a Portland, Oregon climber for a long time. And both of those places, you do a lot of weekend trips to Smith. So I've done like Mm. a lot of weekend trips to Smith, both as like a 510 total beginner all the way up through like projecting 513. So, and the experience really never got like that much more rosy, you know, (laughs) Uh (laughs) you just keep setting expectations higher and failing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's, that's climbing and it's especially Smith Rock. So should we jump into some tips? Let's do it.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Um, I'll, uh, I'll go first. So this goes without saying, <clears throat> I think, but number one tip for sport climbing is to, to have a good partner or crew. I mean, it's just... Bouldering is maybe more social, but sport climbing is like very one-on-one. You're going to spend a lot of time with that person. You know, they're probably going to be your sounding board for all your ideas. They're going to watch you climb. You're going to watch them climb you're going to have to smell whatever snack they bring. If it's fish or whatever, (laughs) Mm -hmm. sardines, um, you know, I've had a lot of good trips where I, I went solo and and met people and I've, I've had sport climbing trips that were good like that too, but it doesn't compare to going on a trip with somebody that you have vibe with and and Mm. you guys are focused on whatever it is, especially if they try the same, if you're trying the same project as your partner or like roughly around the same level, that's like infinitely valuable. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. so It's a hard tip because you can't just manifest that person, but, you know, do your best to manifest that person, I suppose. Yeah. Um, That's tip number one for me.
0: Yeah. Nice. I kind of, I didn't mention the partner thing because I figured you would. So that's perfect. Um, My first tip for a sport climbing trip is, it's also going to sound very obvious, um, but I think it does get missed. Try to sport climb leading up to the sport climbing trip <laughs> as much as you can. <laughs> I've made that mistake. <laughs> yeah. So have I. So have I. You know, I get, I've gotten so like geeky and scientific with my training. I'm like, I'm in a boulder on Tuesday. I'm going to do, you know, anaerobic capacity on Thursday and I'm going to do aerobic capacity on Friday and blah, blah, blah. And I'm doing like, Traversing in circuits and what you know tread wall and all these things for all for all of those different energy systems It's not the same. It's not the same as clipping bolts as having the sensation of being really high off the ground of you know being on rock Um, Obviously not everyone listening has the option of going out and sport climbing leading up to the trip That's why you're going on a sport climbing trip But if you do, if you have any access to any rock, I think that's probably the best thing you can do leading up to the trip is get some time sport climbing on actual rock. And if you can't, then do it in the gym and try to do it on the routes that are the most (laughs) outdoor-like that you can find in the climbing gym. Um, It's still not gonna be quite the same, but just, just, do the best that you can as far as that goes. But, um, I had another trip to, when I was thinking about trips that, that would be helpful to talk about a reference in prep for this, another trip that comes to mind is a trip to rifle I did in 2018. And that was probably the best short sport climbing trip I've been on as far as, um, success. It was also, it was the same length of time as the, the red river gorge trip. And, um, It was my first time to rifle. I sent this really cool, notoriously pretty hard 13B and did some 12Cs and flashed a couple 12Cs and felt really good about the trip. That was a really good trip at the time for me. And I think the key to doing well was I had a bunch of sends under my belt in the weekends leading up to that trip. Momentum. Yeah, momentum. And I was trying to seek out styles that were relevant. Like I went to Viento and did some knee barring and then I went up to Little Psy and did some kind of more quote normal, you know, hard sport climbing up there and sent a 13B at Little Psy right before the trip and had that confidence to to carry me into the trip. So whatever those grades are for you, doesn't matter, but whatever you can do to to kind of stack your weekends towards sport climbing leading up to the trip, I think is gonna be really helpful.
1: That's, I think that's totally on point. And I had a pretty similar one. Um, I said to prioritize the right skills before the trip. So, for, I guess for context, like especially the last maybe four years, like four years ago was probably my best sport climbing year. And then since then, I haven't really done as much sport climbing. And like a lot of my sport climbing experience is like more weekend trips. And I'm often going from a whole season of bouldering to suddenly going on a sport climbing trip every weekend. Mm. And like we've we've talked about on the podcast before, I'm not the type to like do a whole training block just because I'm changing from bouldering to sport climbing. I think I'd rather just actually go out climbing and like develop that stuff there. But if I am going to go on a trip, like I I try to focus on the right things. So um, definitely getting on the sharp end and taking falls. There's Mm. there's just nothing more valuable than that. And that's probably, again, obvious in a sport climbing podcast, but uh, that's probably the single most important thing you can do before you go on a climbing trip, sport climbing trip. And the way I think about endurance in that context is it's like money. It's, uh, It's easier to not spend it than it is to earn more of it. Hmm. So like it takes time to gain more endurance, right? But if you have the skills to remain calm on the wall and make good decisions, then you don't need to have as much endurance. Mm. So if yeah. you literally had to choose between like doing an endurance block and doing a sport climbing skills block, right? Like I would say if you needed to do the sport climbing skills, if you're not sport climbing all the time, like do the skills part, mm. you'll get a little bit of endurance anyways. Right. And it will it will serve you way more than like doing four by fours and then being fucking gripped mm-hmm. and like not making good decisions.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's really good. One quick thought that just came to mind. If you have very limited resources, maybe all you have is um, you know, a home wall or a small little bouldering gym or something with a hopefully they have a spray wall or something. I remember watching a video of Stefano doing this. He was wearing a harness with like a 10 foot long piece of rope mm-hmm. and he had um he had screwed in hangers with quick draws just on the spray wall yeah and he was just like climbing around doing a long circuit and like practicing clipping and then his 10 feet of rope would just like slide out the other end of the quick draw and he would just keep going and he just kept circuiting and um yeah i'd never seen that before but that's a classic like
1: teen kids exercise for sure okay because more kids can be on the wall at the same time doing that you don't need mm. a belayer you can practice clipping all that stuff nice and I, I think like while we're on the subject like if you if you are going to train for a sport climbing trip on a bouldering wall you know be sure that the style of how you're climbing is more of a sport climbing style which i know is a huge generalization but just like you should be thinking about moving economically mm. i think something that happens when people are automatically lump endurance into like the four by fours kind of category, which I really am not a fan of that exercise, um, is what you wind up doing is it's like very top end and you're moving very powerfully and snatching a lot and usually not well by the mm. end of it. Mm-hmm. But actually when you're sport climbing, like you want to be more dialed, right? It's probably not going to be steep. You're, you you want to be getting your weight in your feet and like sagging into the, into the footholds and stuff. So if you are going to train for a sport climbing trip on a bouldering wall, definitely think about the way that you're climbing mm. more than the other aspects, you know, more totally. than really how much you're climbing probably.
0: Yeah. Pacing, I think is huge. It's so tempting with circuits or with four by fours, like you said, um, to just go faster and faster as you get them dialed. But if you can think of things as time on the wall versus number of moves, I think that's really helpful. Just keep that pacing really slow. Like it's going to be on rock.
1: Yeah. And like, and like you mentioned in the bouldering um, episode that we did paying some attention to your target crag where you're going and thinking about like total time under tension, angle the wall type of holds, getting that stuff right. If you are going to be really specific with your training, um, that's the stuff that's the most important to get right. Probably more important than just bashing your head against the total effort level.
0: Mm -hmm. Nice. Yep. Whose turn is it?
1: Uh, I don't know. I have a small one, so I'll do my small one. Okay. Just be mindful of the crag's ethics and history when you travel to a different sport climbing crag. Mm. So bouldering can have like stout grades and sometimes it can have like notoriously bad landings and things like that, but it doesn't have the thing that sport climbing has where if you just even go to a different sub crag at a big area, it might have been developed by different people and it'll have a totally different style of bolting, totally different anchors, maybe even like actually different hardware. So I think being conscious of all that stuff especially if it's laid out in the guidebook and like any information you can gain about that before you go. Like going on a trip to, I guess the notorious comparison would be like going on a trip to Smith Rock versus going on a trip to Ten Sleep. Like you're going to mm. train pockets for both. You're going to mostly be on vert for both probably, right? But like two totally different climbing experiences in terms yeah. of ethics. And that's something you should be thinking about before you embark on that
0: mm. trip. Yeah, that's good.
1: And rain. Some crags, I mean, that's for, true for bouldering too, but like some, some crags, like you wanna be very mindful about not climbing after the rain.
0: Oh, got it. Yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of ethics. Totally. Yeah. Okay, my, let's see if I only shared one so far. My number two is be brutally honest with yourself about how much time you have. Mm. I mentioned this in the bouldering episode. I think it's five times, 10 times more important on a sport climbing trip. You just don't have that many tries. If you're there for a week, maybe you have five climbing days and you have five pitches a day maybe, you know, yeah. if you're a total animal and you're... It really depends on the time of year too. Totally, yeah. Yeah, if it's in the fall and it gets dark early, um, you have a limited time. If you sleep in really late like I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, it depends. I mean, some people get after it and get ten pitches in in a day, but, um, but I don't see that very often. And so... It's just so easy to have eyes bigger than your stomach with sport climbing and think that you're gonna be able to go to multiple crags in a day and try all these different things. And, you know, what, what realistically happens more often than not for me is I do two warmups and then I get maybe three or four more pitches. And that could be two tries on something hard that could be three tries on something hard and then a cool down. It could be, you know, I, I might only try like four routes in a day. And um, and all of a sudden, if you zoom out and look at your trip, it's like, whoa, I get like 25 tie-ins and, and like a third of those are warmups. Yeah. So yeah, be brutally honest with yourself about how much time you actually have and um, and think about that with, you know, that that plays into conversations that you have with your partner where you guys want to go, what's important to each of you for the day, for the trip, where you leave your draws. That's a huge thing. Bring more draws than you think if you want to leave them on something challenging so you don't have to hang draws every try. If that's, you know, if that matches up with the ethics of the area, yeah, those are really good things to think about.
1: And I I can't get over that. uh, You might only tie in 25 times on a one week trip. That's like a time management for mere mortals kind of approach to thinking about your climbing goals and i i love that i'm gonna steal that for sure yeah yeah i i've been thinking about that in bouldering i've said a few times lately i've been like i only pulled off the ground like eight times today why am i so tired you know Mm. like each of those eight times was like a flash attempt or something you Mm -hmm. know and same thing with sport climbing it's like yeah you don't step off the ground that many times so you got to make sure that they're all on something that you really want to make it count, you know, or it's Mm -hmm. at least moving you
0: towards the goals that you're trying to make count. Totally. And can I do my next one? Cause that's, you you basically just shared my next one, which (laughs) is, which is, uh, my third tip is be super intentional with what you try. And, um, yeah, I kind of talked about this in the bouldering episode, but again, I think it's way more important with sport climbing you're realistically going to do two warmups and then have like three or four real tries on something unless you're a total beast and make them count, you know, try things that are inspiring to you and just be really, really thoughtful about what you want to spend those tries doing. Yeah. Because the trip's going to fly by it. it, Sport climbing trips always feel so much shorter than bouldering trips to me. Yeah. Because you only get to try like, yeah, the the 25 tie-ins thing. It's just, it's a blip. Even if you tried, 25 different things, that's one try each. And and that's still not that many things compared to a bouldering trip.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like the, the cue that I've used with, with my own sport climbing is like leave the ground with purpose, mm. especially if it's a climb that has like, you know, you need to like get through the opening section like quickly or well or whatever. I like to like have some pace attached to it. So I don't know, maybe just having some kind of mantra or cue or something that like makes you remember, like if you blow it in the first, maybe not if you blow it in the first two bolts, hopefully your is cooler than that. But if you blow it in the like opening half or something like that's your, that's still your red point. Try, you know, like for that, for that round of attempts or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my next one is, is kind of related. And this is one that I've learned the hard way for myself. And this is just a general sport climbing tip, but I, I think that it's extra important on a trip is to just take links as their own goal and like be conscious of them, aim for them, celebrate them, because you might go on a weekend trip or a one week trip and like a link is the best that you do. And if your expectations were that you were gonna like send the route, maybe that was even like a distant goal, you know, or like super stretch goal, I'm gonna like send the route, but you didn't send set the goal for yourself of like doing the crux from the ground or like linking from the crux to the top or like linking bolt two to bolt five, like those are, Those are important milestones, right? And I think on a trip they're extra important because multiple times I've been like driving home from a sport climbing trip feeling like I gained nothing, but actually I like high pointed, I like climbed from the ground through the crux, Mm. you know, and just flamed out. And like, I have a good shot at doing it next week. I should feel like confident going into that instead of feeling like down on myself that I didn't do it, you Mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. So like celebrate those, those little wins. And I think it helps to be vocal with your climbing partners about it. Like, if you're, especially if you're driving with your partner to be like, yeah, like my big goal for the weekend would just be like, if I could get from the ground through the crux, like that would be sick. Instead of being like, I'm going to get on X route, you know, because then they think you want to send it. Mm. If you set that intention of getting the link, then your partner, when you do the link, your partner's going to be like, fuck yeah, he like did it. Mm-hmm. It like then counts as a thing, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you don't set it yeah. out loud, if you don't set the intention out loud, it like doesn't count for some reason. That's great. As much. Yeah. So, what's your next
0: one? um it's almost the same thing it was to to have a goal or an intention for every try nice um that's amazing sport climbing advice period yeah yeah i mean especially when time is limited you got to make the tries count and you know you it 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 feels so tempting to try from the ground and try to make the you know the highest high point you can every try when you're on a trip a, a short trip especially but sometimes it just makes a lot more sense to dog through the first four bolts and mm-hmm. just focus on one bolt of climbing. Like I'm just going to focus on bolt four to five, and refine this crux or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Have an intention for for every try and make those tries count.
1: Yeah, lost leading I think is one way to put that. And I think that's about lost leading. Loss like leading with a like a lose or like a fail like kind of opening with like a, i'm not going to red point it you know like french freeing through the start like this is not a red point try, oh i got I you gotcha. yeah, and, yeah. and i'm going to relate all of these sport climbing tips back to bouldering <laughs> of course yeah um but i've done that with bouldering like if i show up to a place like maybe waco and i have like a mega proj you know that i haven't done for like a decade then i might like the first day that i show up at that boulder be like i'm not even going to try the move that i didn't do last time today mm. i'm going to I'm going to make sure I can do all the moves that I could already do. I'm going to make sure that I top it out from like the last crux to the end. And that's the session. Even though I'm going to want to hammer that move, I'm just going to like walk away from the boulder confident. Mm. I think that that is really hard to do. Yeah. But especially in sport climbing, because just because the number of times you leave the ground is so precious, super valuable tactic to have in your pocket.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it can save a lot of energy and give you more tries in the day too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. my, my, uh, my next tip is my most practical
1: tip, which is to dial in your snack game. <laughs> um, at least for me, I, f- I feel like with sport climbing, I have way less downtime. It's always really hectic. If you're, if it's just you and a partner, um, because you're like, you're climbing and then you're playing and you're getting ready to climb and then you're climbing and you're playing and you're getting ready to climb. Whereas with bouldering, I can almost always just like sit down and eat a sandwich and like hang out for an hour. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. or at least it's more likely that I'll be able to do that. Um, So I like to eat something with every effort. Uh, Usually my biggest food intake for the day on a sport climbing trip will be after like one or two warm-up routes. That's when I'll like eat most of a sandwich or a half sandwich or something like that. And then after that, I'm just like kind of like pecking after every try because it's only for me, you know, like you said, five or six, I think that's about right, like five to seven maybe, you know. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of let the energy start to wane down towards the end because, you know, the seventh... Thing of the day, it's probably not going to be a good one anyway. Mm-hmm. It's okay if I'm a little bit tired by then. Um, and just, you know, I like to have more variety of snacks, sport climbing than I do bouldering, just because I think there tends to be, usually there's more of an approach. Usually it's more of an all day thing bouldering. Sometimes you're hanging out by the car, you know, um, I'm a big fan of having a lot of snacks in general, but I feel like with sport climbing, it's like extra important that I have stuff I want to eat so that I'm eating between every try.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. My last tip is to do mileage or to try something that's hard for you, but don't try to do both. Mm. Um, and that's something I've screwed up on a lot of sport climbing trips. Again, it comes back to that, you know, twenty-five to thirty tie-ins thing. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you want to try something hard, I think there's a ton of value in doing different warm-ups every day, just to get used to the area and and send some more things, or maybe end the day with something easier and try to you know clip some chains. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like trying to fill your day out and do like for me on that trip to the red. That's absolutely where I went wrong. I wanted to climb. Um, I ultimately picked Tuna Town, this 12D in the in the Madness area. As my project, and I tried to do that, and I tried it a bunch of times, and I tried like I don't know a dozen other five twelves or something on that trip, and I was only there, I only had like six climbing days or something, so I just tried way too many things, spread too thin, spread spread way too thin, dug myself in a deep recovery hole, and didn't do anything hardly. Mm. Um, I probably did, I probably tried more than a dozen. I probably tried close to like twenty five twelves on that trip, trying to on site. And, and do a bunch of mileage. And I did some. Um, didn't end up sending the project. Even if I had, I just would have been totally just destroyed by the end of the trip. So, right. yeah. Um, to kind of share the, to talk about the rifle trip again is kind of a contrast to that. I remember trying this 13B, it's called the anti-fill. And I felt kind of torn about it early on. Just, you know, the first day or two of the trip, I was like, Am I okay with spending most of my trip on this thing? If I don't do it, will I be bummed? And I really thought about that. And I think that was a really important piece of the trip. Um, And I ultimately decided, yes, this thing's beautiful. I really like the climb. I'm okay with walking away empty handed if I don't do it. Um, Did a couple other 512s like here and there along the way. And then it just happened to work out on my second to last day. I sent the thing and then I felt really good. I had tons of motivation and flashed a couple 12 C's and that like really rounded out the trip and it could have easily gone the other way. And I think that's an important thing to to think about is that it, you know, it could have easily been a a, quote failure of a trip. I could have not sent the anti-fill and then I wouldn't have had time to try anything else, but I decided that early in the trip. Um, mm. and made that intention early in the trip. Like, I'm going to commit to this climb because it's beautiful and it's inspiring. And if I don't do it, then, you know, so it goes, I'll come back. Yeah, anyway. But yeah. I but I had way more focus on the rifle trip and I think that's what made it more successful.
1: Oh, that makes sense. I, I thought of uh, one more mini tip <laughs> <laughs> before we jump into pitfalls. Great. Which is, if you're a boulderer primarily and you are thinking about going on a sport climbing trip or thinking about getting into sport climbing, I think boulders tend to be really like into aesthetics. That's a pretty common thing, mm. like the quality of of the route and what people wanna try is like determined by how it looks. And if that's the kind of person you are and you're thinking about going on a sport climbing trip, just like be open-minded and give the routes time to grow on you, mm. I think. Uh, I because- thought you were gonna say, don't go to rifle. <laughs> I can't say that because I haven't been to rifle, sadly. <laughs> no, I love rifle. It's
0: beautiful in its own way.
1: Um, yeah, I think uh, if you if you mostly are expecting it to like look really cool and inviting, it might take time to like mm. get used to what that is for a sport climb. Yeah, that's often good. with boulders, it's like my initial motivation to try it comes from like turning the corner and seeing the boulder. You know. Whereas with sport climbs, usually it's like I'm a few tries into it and I'm like making a link or I'm like at a rest or I'm maybe I just clip the chains,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, not on not red pointing it, but like clip the chains like on an attempt. Mm-hmm. And I like look down at the root. Like those are the moments where I kind of fall in love with the root, you know? They come later for me in sport climbing. So just be patient with it if you're a boulderer.
0: Yeah. Well, no, that's really interesting. That's a great mini tip, by the way. But that is exactly why sport climbing trips. Are so challenging, especially mm, shorter trips totally. like a week long trip. Because for me, on you know on, on that trip to uh, Rifle, it was like three three or four tries on the anti fill before I was like. Fuck yeah, I definitely want right. to do this thing. The first two tries I was like, I don't really know yet. It's like that I right. don't know if I can do that move and this part's kind of nasty and It's blah, like blah, speed
1: blah. dating instead of dating. You just don't have as much time to decide <laughs> if you like the Yeah. route.
0: <laughs> totally. Totally. And you're kind of I remember feeling really, really torn, you know? Like do I want to keep trying this thing and potentially, you know, use all my energy for the trip on this or pivot while I have the chance after like one kind of recon try to something different and yep. I ended up loving the route and having a great experience um, but I've also done the thing where I'm like well it's the sunk cost fallacy like I've already yep. tried this twice I guess I should try to do it because I think I can but I don't love this route you know I've, I've done that too so yeah, um, the it's, sunk, it's hard
1: the it's, sunk cost fallacy is like the, the killer in sport climbing I mm, think mm-hmm. and uh, it has ruined many of my sport climbing trips and and seasons.
0: Yeah. I think, I think something that I, yeah, here's, here's the takeaway. Something that I think I wish I had appreciated earlier in my climbing, as far as like sport climbing trips go, is that I can always come back. Mm. I don't have to finish this thing now, even though it feels like I have to make it count now. I'm going to get better at climbing. I can probably come back and do it quicker next time if I still want to do it. Yep. It's okay to use this first trip to just explore, try a lot more things. Um, sample, you know, totally. Uh, And maybe this is
1: because just because I've bouldered a lot, but I find that with boulders, like your max power, your sort of limit power is so crucial to sending stuff. That's really hard for you that it really does wax and wane and you might not be stronger next year in that Mm. specific style. Mm. But with sport climbing, it's so skill driven and like your ability to like relax and get into a flow state is so key. That, like if you're spending time year round on your climbing, you're probably improving at that ability to get into a flow state. Mm. And so like the chances that you'll be able to do a sport climb later, especially if it's not absolutely at your limit, they, they probably are going up. Yeah. I a think, little bit more than they are with like absolute limit boulders.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, and that comes from
1: somebody great. who mostly boulders. So like I also have the benefit of I am getting like a little bit stronger every year, you know, so moves on the sport climbs are also getting easier, which which helps too. Mm hmm. I
0: think that's maybe a little bit more true in sport climbing than it is in bouldering. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt, specifically the perfect balance of sodium, magnesium, and potassium, with none of the weird stuff you often find in electrolyte drinks. No sugar, no food coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten that's sometimes in there for no good reason that I can think of, no fillers, basically just electrolytes and no Bullshit. I started taking Element a few years ago because I had cleaned up my diet, I started following a mostly paleo approach, and I stopped eating processed foods, and I felt so much better as a result, but the one thing I wasn't getting enough of when I cut out processed foods was electrolytes. And sometimes I would get muscle cramps and have trouble sleeping. I listened to a podcast that made me think that I might be low on electrolytes. So I tried Element and adding literally just one packet of Element per day to my daily routine made my cramps go away. I felt great and I started sleeping like a baby. Plus, it's super tasty. I really enjoy it. Right now, Element is offering you guys, my dear listeners, a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any order of Element. That's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a friend. My favorite flavors are watermelon salt. That's my go-to in the summertime. Citrus salt, that's my main staple. And I also love mango chili when I want a little kick. That one hits the spot. It's super, super tasty. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash nugget. This deal is only available through my link. So again, go to drinklmnt.com slash nugget to get your free sample pack with any purchase. And Element offers refunds, no questions asked. So you can try it totally risk-free. And if you don't like it, you can share it with a salty friend of yours and they will give you your money back, no questions asked. You have nothing to lose. com slash nugget. And now back to the show.
1: Should we, uh, should we jump into pitfalls?
0: Yes, let's do
1: it. All right. Um, I'll, I'll start with a practical one. Uh, I think the layering strategy with sport climbing is a lot different than in, in bouldering. And I, th- I think it's harder. Um, the, oh, clothing. Clothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. So you definitely want to have options with you um, when you go on your trip. So make sure you pack for whatever weather is possible based on the season and the crag. Um, and always try to like expand the temperature range that you think you might have to climb in mm-hmm. by like, 10 or 15 degrees Fahrenheit in each direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because like, you know, in the shade and the wind can be savage and in the sun (laughs) with no wind can also be savage in its own way. And, you know, in in some fall or spring days, you could be contending with both uh, within the span of like an hour or two. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to mention like in bouldering, you might wind up standing still, but in, in sport climbing, you are for sure gonna wind up standing still, craning your neck, for like 45 minutes. So you wanna make sure you're super layered up. It's much, much easier to maintain heat than it is to regain heat that you've lost. Totally. Um, so like when I'm, when I know I'm going on a sport climbing trip and it's like gonna be in the 50s or God, the 40s even maybe, like I have a lot of layers on. I like, I take that shit real seriously cause I want my next try to be good. And if it takes mm-hmm. me 20 minutes of running around and doing jumping jacks, I'm, the chance that it's gonna be good is like decreasing. Um, So yeah, just that takes a lot of practice. But the key takeaway for going on a trip is to just make sure you have a lot of options with you. Make sure you bring them to the crag and experiment with different things. Nice. And also, the climbing layering is also complicated. But I think that piece is a little bit more well known.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's great. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about (laughs) about layering and about rewarming up between tries and all that. Climbing in cold conditions, season Um, seven. Yeah. How to layer? (laughs) How to layer? Yeah. (laughs) No, sending in the cold is hard, man. It's yeah. a it's a whole thing, but yeah, we can save that for extra another, hard in sport climbing conversation mm-hmm. in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm reading my pitfalls and I just made like the negative versions of my tips basically. <laughs> so I don't know how helpful these are gonna be. Maybe it's evidence
1: of of um, my like sport climbing buffoonery that pitfalls were way easier for me to come up
0: with <laughs> than tips.
1: <laughs>
0: nice. Um Well, here's what I'll do. I'll I'll, okay. My first pitfall. I'll combine a couple, um, a couple things, and then I think I have a new one that I'll add. Um. So yeah, first pitfall, not being specific enough with preparation before the trip. That was me blowing it in the red, thinking that I just needed to get pumped on jugs. Um. It's it's probably worth talking about this again because it's a lot harder to gain information on sport climbing areas I think um than bouldering just there's Mm -hmm. just so much less video content out there
1: yeah it usually has to be pro shot versus like bouldering anybody can just like record it with their phone right it's getting better Mm -hmm. for sure but
0: yeah and I've been way more I feel like I've been way more surprised at what sport climbs and sport climbing areas are actually like than bouldering areas like I might see a video, you know, like a um, a selfie tripod phone video of a sport climb, and it looks like it's thirty five degrees. Like this, <laughs> when uh, when I went to try Joe Exotic in the spring, I was trying it with Joe Kinder, and he had sent me footage of him sending the route, and I literally thought it was like a thirty five degree overhanging climb. And it's a horizontal roof. <laughs> it like starts at 60 and goes to like 80 <laughs> degrees overhanging. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was completely wrong, but you know, the phone's sitting on the ground shooting up yeah. at the cliff and it's just really hard to tell how steep it is. GoPro effect.
1: Yeah. That's a thing for sure. Totally. I mean, it's it, so many of the things that I want to try just in climbing in general. It's you, you know, you see a video of it and you get really psyched and then you walk up to it in person and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> like this is way more serious than I thought
0: it was. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's, a, that's totally. a common. That's a common thing. But yeah. So to tie that back, um, a big pitfall is not being specific enough with your prep, um, and that basically that covers a bunch of the tips that I shared. Like, make sure you try to sport climb as much as you can before going on the trip. Yeah, I think I think that's really valuable. Pay attention to the style, the steepness, the size of the holds, all that sort of stuff in your in your preparation for the trip.
1: All right so my next one uh, in keeping the theme of mistakes that jesse has made on sport climbing trips um don't get red point blinders hmm. especially if it's like a, a trip that might be kind of precious you know like a weekend trip to smith rock from portland is is fairly low cost right but like if you're flying around the world or you're flying across the country or you're like driving 12 hours or something like that you don't have to spend every one of those precious tie-ins trying to red point your project. And Mm. it probably feels like we're hammering this at this point, but it's just so easy to make this mistake. And it's once you let go, once you rip the bandaid off and let go, it's very easy to go bag like a second tier route with Mm. some of that energy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know that's like a really tough call to make in climbing, but it's one that we should all strive to get better at making. It's arguably the most important choice you can make in terms of being a satisfied developing athlete is the choice of what goal to undertake. So the better you get at deciding when to commit fully and when to back off, like the better your athlete experience is going to be. And for me, the way that that's manifested is like, you kind of mentioned this with your, your trip to the red, but like going on a one week trip and, and like focusing all of my energy into one climb, kind of getting one itis, you know, when I, probably should have like put that time into it and then like day two or three been like this is feeling you know like maybe i there's a glimmer of hope like a light at the end of the tunnel kind of situation or i could go have like a ton of fun Mm. for like two or three days and be a better climber for it Mm. and come back and do this thing next year yeah and instead i've never gone back to those places because I had such a bad taste in my mouth from Mm. the trip that I had. Because
0: you just tried them right until the end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, like hiking out on, you know, I I went to Red Rocks to sport climb uh, a few times, and it's been a long time since I've been back because I I just tried the same route over and over and over and over. And then, Mm. like, hiking out, and it's, like, sunset on the last day, and I'm just completely wrecked. And I didn't even, like, have a good climbing day. Like, I didn't even high point on that Mm -hmm. last day. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, well, fuck, like, that was... (laughs) I could have made better choices. You mm-hmm. know? And I think that's red point blinders, Yeah, sure. Sunk cost fallacy, again. Um, it, it all kind of blends together into the same.
0: Yeah, it does. It's super hard because those stories of last try, last day sends are so common and so inspiring. I think it's just we availability bias. It's not that they happen a lot. It's that they're you like very
1: compelling stories. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's probably true. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's an awesome story. It's like, wow, you, you stuck with it and gave it that one last try and you did it. That's so cool. And we Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We kind of, um, I don't know, revere that sort of experience Mm -hmm. or something. Um, I don't, I don't remember who, who told me this. It was someone that I met in the last like year or two. Um, I want to say it was Intense Sleep and, This person, for context, this person lived on the road and was like basically on a very long climbing trip. So keep that in mind. But I think, I I loved this idea and I think it scales to shorter trips too. But I was asking them, you know, are you going to go back and try to send your project? They had like one week left. And they were like, no, I never, I never try my project for the last week of the trip. Hmm. And I was like, wow, that's super cool. Like they, they could have done it maybe, you know, it was definitely possible. They were close, but they're like, nope, for the last week, um, I just want to have a good time, cruise around, do some other stuff, and be excited to come back. And I was like, wow, that's that's brilliant. I've never done that. It's really hard to do, but I really like that idea. And I think you can, what you're talking about, you can do the same thing on a one-week trip and just do that on the last day, you Yeah. know? Um,
1: In retrospect, what I should have done is like gone to a crag that I hadn't been to and just like go climb to climb to climb, trying to on them.
0: mm you know,
1: mm-hmm. cause I, I, at the time I was living in a place where I didn't really have a whole lot of access to sport climbing at all. And onsighting was the thing I had the least access to, mm. right? And it's so fun, mm-hmm. even on climbs that are like pretty good size below your, your limit, onsighting is awesome. And, and as a, you know, somebody who's spent a lot of time bouldering, it's not like a style of climbing. You get to do a ton as a boulderer. And I, I think that's what I would do now, you know, if I kind of sensed that my project wasn't happening or I like had that intuition and that's just an intuition you have to develop. It's not something you can just magically have. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think on-sighting would be like my answer now, probably. And maybe second to your red pointing, but
0: on-sighting is so fun. That's making me wish I'd had that as a tip. Oh, there it is. (laughs) There's the tip. There's the tip. (laughs) Well, well, no, I want to like, I have some thoughts that came to mind with that. I mean, that goes, that goes back. I think there's so much value in a sport climbing trip again, because you have such limited, um, because the opportunities to tie in are so few. Really choosing what you want out of the trip. Um, you know, I, I remember I think it was Nathan Hadley that I talked to on the podcast and I asked him, he's such a good on-site climber. You know, he's climbed 14A, maybe B, but he's on sighted 13 C. And incredible. he's he's so consistent at on sighting five thirteen. And I remember asking him how he got so good at on sighting and um that was the thing that made the difference for him, I think was going on trips and letting go of that need to check the box and just, I'm going to go on this trip. I'm going to try every single thing once only. And I, I've i decided that now, so I have to make those tries count. And if I fall off too bad, go to the next one, go to the yeah. next one. Cause you can't do that at home. You know, right. you can't go, you can't do that at your home crag unless you live in like some mega area. So yeah.
1: And it's yeah. it makes sense to slot that in at the end of the trip as an alternative to the the red point, like head bashing against the wall thing. Mm-hmm. Because onsighting is, at least in, in my opinion, maybe I'm a lousy onsider, but like it's very consequential on your energy and your skin because you're going to make some bad choices mm-hmm. probably and and try really hard. Yeah. And that's like the whole idea, right? But I wouldn't like, I'd be hesitant to try to onsite something even approaching my limit before red pointing my project. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like it's I, I would all blow, blow your day. Yeah. I'll almost yeah. like take just to make sure that I don't like totally blast myself or like do some big dynamic move and like rip a hole in my skin. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you've already given up on the red point train, like, like go, you can just go ham mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal. And that's pretty cool.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's great.
1: Do you have another pitfall or is it my <clears throat> turn? I don't know whose turn it is.
0: Um, I think I have two more. Okay. You should go then. Yeah. I have one more. Um, okay. My next one is a big pitfall. I think a very common pitfall is to let the group derail your plans and keep you in your comfort zone. Hmm. And, um, I'll expand on what I mean by that. And I, you know, this isn't just, this is, this doesn't just happen on trips. I see this happen a lot when, uh, you know, a climber trains in the off season and then they have like big goals for the season at their local crag, but the group that they climb with isn't aligned with those goals and they just kind of default back to like doing what's comfortable doing what they know they can do it's i i don't know why but i think it's a much more common thing in sport climbing than bouldering because trying hard routes is so much more intimidating Um, bigger undertaking it's more visible like people can see you up there flailing you know and that's really vulnerable um but yeah on a trip i mean you know be a good friend be a supportive climbing partner but also advocate for yourself and have an intention, a plan, know what you want to go do, and then talk with your group of friends or your partner about how you can make that happen. Nice, yeah, that's smart.
1: So this is, mine is really, my last pitfall is pretty pretty close to that. Um, but the way that I characterize it is partner expectations. We've talked a lot about expectations, but specifically before the trip to discuss upfront with your partners, what their plans are for the trip and like what they want to get out of it so very similar slightly different um angle but yeah don't don't wait to talk about that stuff until you're like warming up or like at the parking lot um definitely have those conversations kind of figure out what you're psyched on and, and like make sure it's going to be a good fit so that you don't wind up in the
0: situation that you're talking about hmm nice and then my my last pitfall is expectations. <laughs> <laughs> There's a through line in these in these first few episodes. Yeah. Um I mean this goes back to my story at the at the start about going to the Red. It's just so everything's just so freaking crystal clear in hindsight, right? Like going into that trip, the hardest I'd climbed was 13b. I had done maybe two of them at Smith, totally different than the Red um they had both taken many tries like 10 tries you know uh, maybe even more and somehow i thought i was going to go to the red river gorge and onsite all these 512s and climb 513 in eight eight days you know like a like six climbing days or five climbing days or whatever and just do the math it's like well if 13b at my home crag takes me 10 tries that's the entire trip, you know, yeah. and, and I probably won't do it as fast because I'm not used to this style, et cetera. So, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, you know, beating this one to death too, because I talked about this a lot in our first episode, but just be open, just be open to, um, to whatever you're going to find, you know, at the other end of the drive or the, the plane ticket or or whatever, when you get there. Um, you might do great. You might perform really well and send everything. You might totally get your ass kicked and learn a lot and then have a much better sense of how to prepare for that same trip next time. And both of those are great, you know? Yep. So
1: we keep coming back to the same things because they're very, very core mm. important things. Mm-hmm. So no shame Would you
0: that. say that they're fundamentals?
1: I would. <laughs> I would say that. That is exactly what I would say. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I guess should we wrap up? Let's wrap up um other than the through line of expectations and intent being super important in climbing in general i would say my top tip for going on a sport climbing trip is endurance is important but it's secondary to actual sport climbing skills Mm. your sport climbing skills will carry you through your endurance your endurance will not carry you through a lack of Mm. sport
0: climbing skills well said nice and my number one tip is to be brutally honest with yourself about how much time you really have. Um, make those tries count. You've only got so much, so many routes you can try. Make sure that you're trying things that actually look cool to you and that you'll be psyched to play around on even if you don't do them. And, um, yeah, just be re- be realistic and have those conversations with your partner about, you know, which areas to prioritize. I mean... I still do this. Like I I was on this trip to 10 sleep in September with, uh, with Tay and going into the trip, we both had like, we both had like six areas that we wanted to like prioritize. And we both had like 10 things at each area that we wanted to do. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, We, you know, we were there for six weeks. We had tons of time, but not nearly enough to do half the guidebook. And yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's just um, it's always a thing. It's it's a thing with bouldering too, but I think it just really shows up in sport climbing because we we just have so many fewer opportunities. Yeah. Once again, the tick list is
1: kind of an evil, evil concept. <laughs> mm-hmm. The word priority literally means the most important thing. Yeah. So like, it ha- be, it's be funny pluralized. that it can even be plural. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's a good thing to keep in mind. All right. You want to close it out? That's a wrap, folks. How do you close it out? (laughs) Goodbye, friends. (laughs) Goodbye, friends. (laughs) Thank you
0: guys for listening. Hope you learned something. Hope these were helpful. Please reach out if you have thoughts, feedback, questions, and we'll see you next time.